All right, we're in the book of 2 Kings this morning. 2 Kings chapter 5. We're talking about people that are not mentioned in Scripture. Anybody need a handout? All right. People not named in Scripture, calling it more than a name, and even though we don't know their names, uh, they've done something that we can learn some lessons from. And we've talked about the the little boy who gave his lunch to feed the 5,000. We talked last week about the rich man that died and went to hell and how there are no names in hell. And this morning we're going to talk about a no-name servant. There are not a lot of people who are faced with the adversity uh, that this little maid, as the Bible calls her, uh, has gone through. If we look at verse number 1, it begins by telling us, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And so... We're not giving her name, just a little maid. Uh, But we're going to see that in difficult circumstances like this girl was in, that the grace of God, uh, it can overcome our adversities and our difficulties and our situations. And it can help us to build our testimony for the Lord. And in those adverse circumstances, we have opportunities to speak for the Lord and to see him work. And so this morning, we're going to look at the little unnamed servant girl and this great general, Naaman. And it's interesting, as we look at these, how uh, one word can kind of change an entire sentence. That very first verse, is it describes this general, Naaman. Did you notice there it began by telling us uh, this man is a leader? He's the captain of the host of the king of Syria. He's a leader. Uh, this great man, Naaman, uh, was loyal. It says he uh, was a great man with his master. This great general, uh, Naaman, he was legendary, honorable. Uh, no doubt people knew who Naaman was. Uh, he was a laborer. By him, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. Uh, we find out a lot of great things about Naaman. Did you notice there's one little conjunctive word there that changes everything about this man? The word but. It tells us what? But he was a leper. Um, Leprosy, a a dreadful disease, especially at this time of history. Uh, And it was... uh, It was always a disease, and it's kind of interesting because in Scripture we see some picture identifications, and leprosy is always a picture of sin in Scripture uh, because leprosy was a disease that would start on the inside and work its way out. And often sin, it can go unnoticed by people around us, but it begins on the inside. In the book of Mark, uh, Jesus said, For from within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, 
covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Uh, And so we can see a picture of sin through leprosy. And we'll see that in Naaman's life. And so in Israel, uh, lepers, they were sort of a condemned group of people, weren't they? They had to live without the city walls. When they would encounter people, they'd have to yell down the road, unclean, unclean. You know, it was, uh, it was a terrible thing. But in Syria, uh, they tolerated the lepers. They allowed them to live with their families, work normal jobs. And sometimes we can kind of see a picture there of how different cultures uh, tolerate things differently. Sometimes uh, as the world, it will tolerate things that believers probably shouldn't tolerate when we look at sin. Uh, But there was no cure for leprosy, uh, and it would take a miracle for this man to be cleansed, for this man to be healed. And it's the same way with sin, isn't it? There's uh, no cure for sin. Uh, Education, psychology, philosophy, man's version of religion, none of those things cure our sin problem, do they? Uh, We have to have the miracle of salvation. And so in the life of Naaman, we'll also see uh, a a powerful illustration of the gospel. If we think over to the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, in the first five verses, as we think of the power of the gospel, he said, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's us. Uh, We're just like Naaman. We have a terrible disease called sin. We don't have a cure for it. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by the nature the children of wrath even as others. But I love verse 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. See, we're just like, we're just like Naaman. We've got this terrible disease. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We had no hope. We needed some sort of miracle. And that's the miracle of salvation uh, that takes place in our lives. When, when we hear the truth of Scripture, when we hear the truth of the Word of God and our receptive heart uh, receives that Word and we're ready to turn to Christ. Amen. So as we read this account of Naaman this morning, uh, it's, it's an encouraging tale for sick people, but this isn't just about physical healing. Uh, Jesus did a lot of physical healing But what does he really want in our lives? He wants to see spiritual healing take place. And so as believers, we're spiritual lepers until Christ cleanses us for sin. And this account in 2 Kings, it reminds us that nobody is too bad to come to Christ for salvation. Uh, We still believe that Romans 10.13 exists, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, If you're walking and breathing this morning, you're a whosoever. God's salvation is for everybody, all mankind. Uh, There's not special people that get to go to heaven and some are just, you know, doomed to go to hell. Anyone can come to Christ. So we'll see that as we go through the story this morning as well. But first I want you to notice this morning about this unnamed servant, uh, that she was a captured slave. Uh, She wasn't in Naaman's home by choice. She didn't choose to be in this situation. She was taken into slavery 
uh, as a spoil of war. Uh, Verse number 2 told us the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. We can think this morning uh, people in Scripture that were kind of taken out of their normal routine, their normal everyday lives, and thrown into a different culture. That's exactly what happened to this girl. We think of people like Joseph. He was taken from his home, from his culture, to a different place. We think of Daniel, how he was taken captive from his home, from his land, from his people, from his God, to a different culture that was very much opposed to the things that he had been taught. And the word little, as we see here, would indicate, you know, this was a, this was a young girl. She's not very old. Uh, this would be quite a traumatic experience, don't you think, for uh, a young girl to be taken from her family, from her home, no telling what's happened to her parents. She's separated. She's now a slave. Her life is turned upside down. But as we read through this passage we find that this girl, she was faithful. And it should challenge us to remain faithful in difficult situations. You're going to be encountering some difficult circumstances in life. Uh, That's just the nature of life. And we're to remain faithful in those times. And God gives us passages like this to encourage us and to remind us that we should remain faithful. Uh, Jesus told us that we would have trials and tribulations uh, that we might have to be willing. And he told the disciples, he's like, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to expect some hardships. The comforts and ease of home aren't going to be what you experience. Uh, The Bible tells us that Jesus used a rock as his pillow. Jesus was not accepted uh, in his hometown. He was rejected. He was despised. But what do we have to do? Well, we have to surrender sometimes the flesh. The flesh wants comfort and ease and joy. But sometimes that runs opposite to what God has planned for us. Jesus said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Sometimes we can get so attached to ourselves to our comfort, to our way of living, our surroundings, uh, even our own family. It ought to look like hate is what Jesus is saying compared to our love for him. We ought to love God so much that everything else is way below that. And that's how this little maid, she had grown up in a home that clearly loved God. She had been taught from an early age. She was in one of those kind of homes. Praise God for homes like that that, that teach and raise their children and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I think that's what her parents had done. She had been given a solid foundation to be able to remain faithful when she's pulled away from her family in difficult tri- uh, times. Uh, that's what we're talking about here at church this morning as we talk about dedicating our children to the Lord today. We're talking about dedicating ourselves as parents a commitment to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Realizing that our children do not belong to us, but our children belong to God. And it's a good reminder uh, that even as grown people, we don't belong to ourselves. We've been bought with a price. We belong to God. And we should dedicate ourselves to the Lord. 
to remain faithful. This was a difficult, uh, a different culture, and she's in a difficult circumstance. This girl, it wasn't her fault. She hadn't chose this. This was not her choice in life to go to where she was at. Uh, She was forced to be part of the care of this leper by the name of Naaman. Uh, I don't know, maybe part of her responsibility uh, included the washing and changing of of his clothes and linens throughout the day. Can you imagine uh, having to handle these uh, filthy garments? It almost kind of reminds me of what the prophet Isaiah talked about. You remember a verse in Isaiah chapter 64 where he said, We are all as an unclean thing and our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And when you study that, uh, it carries with it the connotation of leprous garments. That's what Isaiah was talking about. Sometimes we think that we're really good people. We're great individuals. But the Bible says that the best things that we do, it's just like the clothes that Naaman would have worn with leprosy. A highly contagious disease. Uh, Who would want to touch those rags? And we see the comparison again between leprosy and sin. Uh, But as we think about this girl, uh, the Bible doesn't indicate that there's any bitterness in her life at all. There's no discontentment in this young lady. She she went about her task uh, cheerfully and diligently. uh, And I can say that because when she begins to talk a few verses later about this man that could potentially heal Naaman, people listen to her. She had a good testimony. It it reminds me a lot of Joseph. You remember people were willing to listen to this young man as he's been sold as a slave and he's in prison by no choice or fault of his own. But Joseph chose not to get bitter in those circumstances, in those difficulties. He chose to remain faithful and to serve the Lord. And because of his testimony, when the time came that people needed help, who did they go to? They went to Joseph. And here's this little maid in a different culture, in a difficult circumstance. And she understood something that a lot of times as adults we have trouble accepting. That's that our circumstances should not dictate our contentment. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, I have determined in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He he said, you know, "I've, I've had some great experiences. But Paul also went through some difficult hardships. I mean, shipwrecks and beatings and torture. He was ultimately martyred for his faith. But he said, my circumstances don't determine my, commi- uh, my contentment. Uh, he said in Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4.13, it tells us I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Your circumstances do not have to dictate your contentment. Uh, Philippians 4.13, uh, as, a, as a boy, when I went to Trinity Christian School, we would wear verses on the back of our basketball jerseys. This was the verse that I chose to wear on my basketball jersey for several years. I can do all things through Christ. So if circumstances don't dictate our commitment, what does? Uh, well, it's what we find, our resources that we have in Jesus Christ. We turn to that and we can find contentment. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. God's grace will be poured out in your life when you're in a difficult circumstance. Uh, 
And it may be something that you didn't even choose. It may be no fault of your own that you're there just like this servant girl. But God says if you remain faithful that His grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God can give you the grace. God can give you the strength. God can give you the help that you need to serve cheerfully under difficult circumstances. And that, that's, that's the real mark. It's being able to do it cheerfully. We see that in this girl's life. We see it in the life of Joseph. We see it in the life of Daniel. We see it in the life of Paul. Uh, scripture gives us so many examples. It's easier said than done. But with God's grace and God's mercy and God's strength, we can do it. And then notice this was a designed cause. Um, it's evident that through all of these happenings, uh, God had a plan for this little unnamed servant girl. I'm, I'm reminded of Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20, uh, what many call the Romans 8, 28 of the Old Testament. Joseph says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Uh, Paul wrote in the book of Romans uh, that God works all things for good to them who love God. And God had a plan for this little unnamed servant girl being brought to Naaman's home. This is what uh, culture might call coincidence, right? I was talking about this with Joey a couple of days ago. That uh, Isn't it interesting? As he goes in to, to have this interview, uh, he began to just run into different people that he already knew and people uh, that uh, knew him. And they sit down and they began to have conversations. I said, you know, that's what the world calls coincidence. As believers, this is what we call, if you go to the book of Esther, it's called the providence of God. God's working in the background. And the providence of God brought this unnamed servant girl to Nathan's home. Uh, nothing in your life is by accident. God is bringing this together as part of his lovingly orchestrated plan uh, to bring about his glory and our best. God brings us together. The book of Psalms, it tells us the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. And sometimes uh, what God has for our lives isn't what we would choose. Would this unnamed servant, would this little girl, would she have chosen to be separated from her family, taken to a different culture, put into this difficult circumstance? Probably not. But God was ordering her steps. And we may not always understand uh, the, the leading of the Lord, but if we're trusting Him, if we're remaining faithful to Him, we know that God always has our best in mind. And He's going to use every circumstance that He has in our lives for His glory. And we can trust Him because He sees the big picture. Sometimes we get so focused on everything that's in front of us, it's hard to see past what's happening right now in my life. And sometimes the trials can be so overwhelming uh, and the burdens are so difficult that we can't see what God has in store. And this little girl, maybe she didn't. I don't know if Joseph did, but we know that later in Joseph's life, Joseph was able to look back and say, you know what, brothers, you meant this to happen in my life for evil. You hated me, but God meant this for good because now I'm going to save your life and I'm going to save the life of everybody in Israel and ultimately God's promises are going to be kept because of what you did to me. And so God in his mercy and his loving kindness, he's never going to lead us uh, in a way that will be evil for us. What does the book of Jeremiah tell us? Uh, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you an expected end. That's what God has planned for our lives. Believe in the providence of God. Look for how God is going to use this situation for His glory and your good. Next, I want you to notice not only was she a captured slave, but she was a careful servant. Uh, She probably had her moments of fear, loneliness. Those are normal human emotions that we would experience. And I don't think anybody's exempt from those. Uh, the best Christians can experience these kind of moments. We, we preached on Elijah a few weeks ago, a great man of God, but he experienced fear, he experienced failure, he experienced depression, he was defeated, uh, but he was a great man of God. He had the same emotions that you have. And that's why in the book of James he says that he had a nature just like us. He wasn't some great spiritual giant that we can't identify with. The people in Scripture were humans. And that should give us heart this morning, that they went through the same things that we go through. But the Bible doesn't record those moments in this girl's life. God shows this girl uh, rising above human emotions and selfish thoughts, sinful reactions, because uh, it's been said everything starts with attitude. And I think this girl, I think she had an excellent attitude. Uh, You've probably heard it said before that that, uh, attitude determines our altitude. How high we're going to fly in life, how, how well we're going to succeed uh, can be very well determined by the attitude that we have. Our attitude's important. And our spiritual condition uh, can be determined by our attitude. The book of Proverbs tells us the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. Uh, God's not looking at your outside to determine anything. Uh, you remember uh, David and his brothers when Samuel goes to choose the king, God told Samuel, what? Don't look on the outside. Because when you get there, you're going to see David's brothers, and they're going to look good. They're going to look the part. But they don't have the attitude that I'm looking for in a king. And he said, so Samuel, don't look on the outward appearance. Don't look on the height of their stature. Don't look on those things, because I'm looking at the heart. That's God's measuring stick. Jeremiah 17, 10, uh, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways. Uh, we need to have a Christ-like attitude in our lives. We look at the fruit of the Spirit. That's the kind of attitude that we should have. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's the kind of attitude that as believers we should possess. A Christ-like attitude. And you may have people in your life that that challenge you to have a Christ-like attitude. And it's good to have friends like that. we got to be careful that our Christian life uh, is not just merely an outward show. We can get dressed up and come to church on Sunday mornings. We can look the part when we come in here. We can say all the right things. But inward, we could have uh, a life that doesn't reflect that. We need to have an inner relationship with God that pours uh, itself out through our actions. The most scathing message that Jesus ever preached, it was not to sinners, it was not to publicans, it was not to the worst of society. You know the most scathing message that Jesus ever preached that was recorded? You know who it was to? It was to the religious people. To the Pharisees. Because they had an outward show of religion. But their heart inside, Jesus said, was like a sepulcher sepulcher full of dead men's bones. Yeah, you look all good on the outside, but inside, it's vile and it's wicked. We've got to make sure we have an excellent attitude. I think this girl did. 
And then we see uh, just as a wrong attitude will man itself, uh, manifest itself in bad actions, uh, the opposite's also true. Uh, the girl's attitude could have been sour and bitter toward Naaman and his wife because here she is, she's forced to serve the one who ruined her life. This man comes and pulls her out of her home and out of her culture, away from her family, away from her friends, away from everything that she's known. She could have been bitter, but instead she shows exemplary action and she shows this great service toward her enemy. Isn't this a picture of Jesus? You remember one of the messages he preached uh, that says something like, love your enemies, do good to them that despitefully use you. This girl's living out what Jesus preached thousands of years later. And as sinners, we were enemies of God. Uh, But Christ still loved us and he served us. Uh, But God commendeth or proved or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He had no reason to love us either. But what an amazing example we find in this girl through, and through the life of Jesus. And Paul writes in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, uh, he was specifically writing to some slaves in Ephesians chapter 6, and he encouraged them to serve, even though they weren't getting wages, even though they weren't getting, you know, vacation time, some great benefit package, even though these were slaves, uh, he commanded them to serve faithfully as Christ did from their heart. He said, whether you're bond or whether you're free, you need to serve the people that you're working for with a heart that loves God. And then lastly this morning, I want you to see the courageous speech from this girl. I would imagine that junior high girls who are slaves in a great general's home are probably not given the floor very often to, you know, stand up and make a big speech. They probably aren't listened to a whole lot. But when the time came, this young girl spoke up for the Lord. And it reminds us that we don't ever need to underestimate the power of our words. And never think that God can't use you where you're at. In verse number 3 of 2 Kings chapter 5, notice this. She said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. I wish Naaman was back in Israel. I wish Naaman was back there with Elisha, with the man of God, because that man could heal Naaman. She's talking to Naaman's wife. And what made Naaman's wife listen to this little girl? Well, number one, uh, her speech was earnest. Uh, Can you hear the passion in her voice? Uh, Would. She says, uh, would God my Lord with him? uh, She's basically saying, I wish that Naaman could go back there. I'd love to see Naaman get to go be healed. Uh, She's earnest. This isn't coming from somebody who who is resentful and bitter toward Naaman. She has genuine care for him. I mean, why would she care about this ruthless leader who probably killed her parents, who had taken her from her home? You see, when when the love of God enters our heart, it changes the way that we look at things. Uh, The culture around us, sometimes they don't understand why we view things differently. Well, God's changed us from the inside out. We have a new view. Uh, We're viewing things through the lens of Scripture, through the eyes of Jesus. 
Why would Jesus love some of those people? Well, you remember the Roman soldiers that were nailing him to the cross. What did Jesus do? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. While they were crucifying him. The love of God changes things in our lives. And when the love of Christ is manifest in our lives like that, the book of Jude tells us, uh, of some have compassion, making a difference. When the love of God is so full in your life that it's just oozing out of you, you have opportunities to make a difference in other people's lives. And sometimes it can be easy to become indifferent toward the needs of others. And we need to work on growing our compassion for people. I mean, you look at a girl like this. Uh, we've, none of us in this room probably ever been in the situation like this girl. Having to live and work for somebody like she was having to work for. But notice how she responds to, the in, to this individual. Her speech was earnest, and her speech was extreme. She says, I wish that Naaman could go to Israel and see the prophet there, because he would heal him of leprosy. You know, there was a lot of lepers during Elisha's lifetime. This was a a great disease of world history at this time. But I want you to see what Jesus said. If we go to the book of Luke chapter 4, Jesus tells us that many lepers were in Israel during this time. Many lepers. But what does it say? None of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Only one leper was ever healed of leprosy. Naaman. What was this little girl proposing? She says, I wish Naaman could go back to Israel and see Elisha the prophet because he could heal him of leprosy. Had anybody ever been healed of leprosy at this point? No. She's got an extreme view. She says, you know what? I have a big God and he can heal Naaman if he'd go back to see the prophet. Reminds me, in the book of Luke, what does it tell us? With God, all things are possible. We serve a big God. Uh, We serve a God who likes to do extreme things. We are supposed to live as believers in light of God doing the impossible. Uh, The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul wrote that we walk by faith, not by sight. This little girl had never seen anybody healed before, but she had faith in a big God who could do it. We have to ask ourselves, have we given up on the extreme? Sometimes I think we do. Has there been things in your life that you've taken off your prayer list? Because you know what? I just don't think God can do that. God hasn't answered my prayer yet, so I guess he's not going to. We serve a big God. Maybe you think there's certain people in your life you've prayed, you've asked for God to work in relationships, and you haven't seen anything happen. Maybe there's people that you want to see saved. You've prayed, but it hasn't happened yet. And sometimes we think, I guess that's just a lost cause. We serve a God who deals in extremes. What would happen in our lives if we had the faith of this girl, if we renewed our faith believing that we really had an almighty God? I mean... That's what we're all going to say this morning. Yeah, we believe God can do anything. We sing the song with the kids, My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And then we grow up and we kind of like, Yeah, I know that song, but I don't really believe it.
Her speech was extreme and her speech was effective. She believed in her miracle working God so much that her words, they're noticed by everybody else that's around her. And they go into action because of her words. And, and the small girl, she only did one thing. She told somebody about Elisha. It made a huge difference. Uh, did this girl have a position of power or prestige or prominence? No. What was she? A slave. But God used her where she was. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't need a, a, a big position of prominence and power to be used of God. You can be used right where you are. I love this quote I read in a book last week that encouraged believers to live every day with gospel intentionality. I saved that quote in my phone. Live every day with gospel intentionality. Uh, How are we looking today to be intentional with the gospel, to share it with somebody else, to speak about the gospel to other people? Verse 4, One went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. She says you can be healed if you'll go see the prophet. And this starts a a wave of of motion. Things begin to happen. Uh, The king of Syria gets involved, writes to the king of Israel, says Naaman's coming uh, to be healed of leprosy. He's like, well, I can't heal leprosy. I don't know about this. Word gets to Elisha. He says, send Naaman to me. Naaman shows up and he's offended. Elisha doesn't even come out to meet this great general. He doesn't come out. He, he stays right there. He thinks that, at, from, as a pagan, he thinks that the prophet's going to come out, and I don't know, may, wave a magic wand over him, say some sort of incantation, and remove his leprosy. But Elisha doesn't step out the door. He sends his servant out and says, uh, go down to the Jordan River and wash seven times. And verse 11 tells us that Naaman went away wroth. He's angry. uh, He's he's frustrated. He's boiling over inside. I'm this great general. I thought surely he will come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. But no, you tell me to go wash in the dirty Jordan River? We have rivers far better than this one over in Syria. Uh, Why can't I do that? Because that's not what God said to do. God said do it this way. When we try to do things our own way, it doesn't work out. Naaman thought that healing would come on his own terms. Now, sometimes, you know, people are like, well, I'm waiting for God to speak to me in some sort of miraculous way. God writes in the sky, uh, I'll do what God wants. Uh, God's not going to write in the sky for you. Well, if I hear this booming voice from heaven speak to me, uh, God's not going to speak out loud to you. God has written his word. And everything, there it goes, and everything God wants you to know is in that book. He's not going to write anything else. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And finally, Naaman is convinced to obey the message of the prophet. And when he does things God's way, that's when the miracle happens. Verse 14, he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean. It's a beautiful picture of salvation, isn't it? A sin like leprosy, uh, it's ravaging away at our bodies. We're rotting from the inside out. We have a destination where we're going to die and we're going to go to hell like the rich man we talked about last week. 
But when we respond to God in faith, uh, we can't do it our own way. We don't come to God our own way. We don't get to heaven our own way. We come to God on His terms. What is that? Uh, Faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, His sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And His blood removes the leprosy of sin and makes us new. And Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In verse number 11, did you notice there? It says, Naaman said, Behold, I thought. Behold, I thought. This is how things should work. But when he finally chose to do things God's way, notice what it said in verse number 15. He does things God's way and he makes the declaration. He returns to the man of God. He and all of his company. He stands before him and he says, Behold, now I know there's a God in Israel. Sometimes we think things. But then when we meet God, we find out we know something different. This man knew something about God when he finally did things God's way. Uh, This morning, good question to ask ourselves first and foremost, do you know that you're a child of God? Do you know that your sins have been forgiven? The Bible tells us you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. You don't have to hope that you get to heaven. You don't have to uh, wonder, have I done enough good in this life? No, the Bible says these things in the word of God have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. So what a picture we see from this little maid. Uh, Contentment, it's not based on her circumstances. Uh, She didn't need her situation changed to live her life for God. Sometimes we think if God would just change things in my life, then I would serve Him. No, start serving God right now where you are. This little unnamed servant girl, she lived her life as one who believed that nothing happens by accident in life. Uh, Nothing happens by accident. Uh, She believed that her circumstances were planned by God for His glory and for her good. She lived her life as one who believed that God would bless and use her in the lives of others. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can use you in the life of somebody else? You should. And she was willing to speak out for the Lord regardless of the perceived risk. Here she is, this slave girl. What could happen to her if she speaks up and says all of this? But she's stood boldly and spoke for the Lord. What could God show in your life? How could He show His power in your life? If you had the faith and the boldness that this little girl had, Scripture doesn't even tell us her name. But she was a great lady of God. Trust God with your circumstances, the ones that you have right now. They may not be the best circumstances, but trust God with the circumstances that he's put you in right now and say, God, use my circumstances for my good, for your glory, and give me opportunities to minister to other people. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity we've had to read this morning, to study this uh, little unnamed servant girl. Lord, I pray that we would be inspired by her example, that we would be moved to live a life of greater faith because of what we've seen this morning. We pray that you'll have your will and way in this service. We pray that you're honored and glorified through all that's done and said and sung. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.